making decisions for students and teachers every day that will impact their life today, tomorrow, and the future. And so the view is, is totally different. Um, I wake up thinking about what decisions have to be made. I go to bed thinking about what still needs to be done. I'm trying to make decisions that will impact us from now and over the next 10 years. Um, On this season of the PG Daily, we will be taking an in-depth look at education in Prince George's County. You will hear from some of the integral voices that are responsible for educating and enriching the minds of students in the county. You will also hear from students that have been directly impacted by the county's educational system. And you will hear how the Prince George's County schools impact the community as a whole. I'm David Smalls, stay tuned. Hello and welcome to Prince George's Community News. We are broadcasting live high atop the Center for Performing Arts at Prince George's Community College in beautiful downtown Largo, Maryland. Here's the latest. Good day and thanks for joining us. From PG Community News, I'm Vanita Newsom. Today is Friday, October 11th, 2019. Today, we will have beautiful October weather that will continue across the area well into the Columbus Day weekend with comfortably warm temperatures and a mix of sun and clouds. Today and Saturday's lowest temperature will be 48 degrees and the highest will be 73, cooling to a low 50s to near 70s on Sunday. Plan for dry weather to start next week with our next chance for scattered showers by the middle of next week. Today's north wind 8 to 10 miles per hour. Saturday will be partly sunny with a high near 70 with calming winds south at five to 10 miles per hour. Saturday night will be mostly cloudy with a low around 52. Sunday will be mostly sunny with high near 68 degrees. Sunday night will be partly cloudy with lows around 52 degrees. Today, sunrise is at 7:12 a.m., sunset at 6:37 p.m. And that's our weather for today. WJLA has reported a man was killed in a two-car hit-and-run crash on Thursday night in Brandywine, Maryland, and police are searching for the other driver involved. Investigators identified the victim as 24-year-old Teron Land of Upper Marlboro. Authorities said the driver of the GMC Sierra was traveling along Morris Road when the vehicle collided with Lamb's Chevy Impala at the intersection of Branch and Morris Road. Lamb was taken to Southern Maryland Hospital, where he was pronounced dead. According to the police, the driver of the GMC is described as a male wearing a green shirt and black pants. He fled the crash and remains at large. Maryland State Police are asking anyone with information on the suspect to call Forestville Barrack at 301-568-8101. The Washington Post has reported how the plan to repeal the ban on pit bulls in Prince George's has passed. A Prince George's County Council committee on Thursday advised an amendment to animal control legislation that will repeal the county's 22-year-old ban on pit bulls. A majority of 11-member council still appears to support the ban, and National Coalition of Animal Rights Advocates has labeled the ban ineffective and inhumane. 
but Council Chair Todd Turner, who supports the amendment, will lead a public meeting on the ban and a broader discussion on whether it is necessary. Prince George's County is the second largest jurisdiction in the country and the only one in the Washington region that bans pit bulls, which animal advocates say are not inherently dangerous. They argue that governments should instead focus on dogs that demonstrate violent behavior and penalize owners who do not care properly for their pets, regardless of the breed. More than 400 pit bulls were euthanized last year in Prince George's County. Out of the 687 in pound, and more than 250 have been euthanized so far this year. WTLP reports that Prince George's County Police has turned in DNA testing for help in a 1972 murder. The Prince George's County Police know who killed a woman in a wooded area in Laurel in 1972, but they still don't know who the woman is. Now they're sending parts of her remains to a lab in Virginia for DNA testing and they're looking for anyone who might have information about her. The case lied dormant for decades until Samuel Little, 79, who was serving multiple life sentences in Texas for strangling three women, confessed last November to killing the woman in Prince George's County, one of more than 90 murders he has confessed to. Detective Bernie Nelson said he knew details about the Laurel murder that no one else would have known. Everything matched up. The woman is described by medical examiner as white, between 5 feet 2 inches to 5 feet 6 inches, having dirty blonde hair to reddish hair, and being in her early 20s. Anyone with more information is asked to call the police at 301-772-4925. And if you want to remain anonymous, you can call Crime Solvers at 1-866-411-TIP or... 1-866-411-8477 or go online at www.pgcrimesolvers.com. WTOP has reported that Maryland State Police are launching a speed enforcement initiative on I-495 this weekend. Those with lead feet, beware. Maryland State Police are cracking down on speeding and aggressive driving this weekend ahead of the Columbus Day weekend. Authorities said in the release that the initiative would take place on I-495 between 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturday with troops from College Park and Forestville Barracks. Prince George's County Police will assist troops on the Capitol Beltway. Police said it follows a three-year crash study that determined Columbus Day weekend has a high propensity for speed-related collisions. According to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, speeding has a factor in 26% of all fatal crashes in 2017. More than 9,700 people were killed. In 2017, 54 people died in the more than 4,000 aggressive driving crashes in Maryland, police said. Maryland said that 85% of aggressive driving crashes happened in D.C. Baltimore region between 2013 and 2017. Aggressive driving violation means five points on your Maryland license and a $370 fine. So slow down when driving and enjoy your holiday weekend. From PG Community News, I'm Vanita Newsom.
For today's episode of the Prince George's Daily, Heavenly sits down with Dr. Monica Goldson, the CEO and Superintendent of Prince George's County Schools. Hi, everybody. This is Heavenly B of the PG Daily, and I have the honor of sitting with none other than Dr. Monica Goldson, Prince George's County Public Schools Superintendent and CEO. Hello. I'm excited to be here. And we're super excited to have you here with us. I want to begin um, this interview by first discussing who you are as a person outside of CEO. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I am a resident of Prince George's County and have been for an extremely long time a graduate of Prince George's County Public Schools, attended Barnaby Manor Elementary School, John Hanson Junior High School, because back in the day they were called Junior Highs, and (laughs) Potomac High School. Okay, okay. Yes, I am an only child, so I decided I wanted to get as far away from home as possible and attended Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University in Tallahassee, Florida, and then ended up coming right back home, right? Mm -hmm. So, good. There goes being an only child and moving far away. I am the mom of two boys. Um, One is a senior in college, and the other is a senior at Oxon Hill High School. Awesome. That's great. Um, Sounds like you grew up in the Oxon Hill area just based off the schools you attended. I did. My my brother goes to Potomac right now. Outstanding. (laughs) He's on the football team. I was there for homecoming oh, when they were? won and beat Saratsville yeah. High School. Yes, he was so excited. Hmm. Tell me about the type of student you were in high school. Um, actually, I just um, we just had an announcement last week about Potomac High School for a three-dimensional education program that we're starting there next year. And in the audience were students who had on shirts that said "Nerdy by Nature." I love it. And um, I said I was actually one of those students because they were National Honor Society members. So I was an Honor Society member, um, a cheerleader, active. I was vice president of the sophomore class, um, always doing something before school or after school. um, And just loved my high school experience. Awesome. Naturally driven. So what drew you to education then? Um, you always been active in school, but did you know that education was what you wanted to pursue or did education kind of choose you? Um, no, God chose it for me. Mm-hmm. I actually um, went to Florida a University to um, be major in actuarial science, um, where I majored in mathematics and business and thought that I would become an actuary. And in order to become an actuary, you have to take 10 mathematics exams. And in order to do those exams, I figured what better way to practice for them than to be a teacher. So I figured I had a plan. My plan was to teach um, at a high school for a year, practice and take three of those assessments. And typically insurance companies will pay you to study and take the other exams if you pass the first three. Okay. And that was my plan. After the first week of teaching, I went home and told my mom, there's something I need to tell you. Have a seat. I have decided to remain in education. I love teaching. Wow. That's awesome. Change right then. It's funny how life just unfolds for you. We have a plan, but it unfolds on its own. You got it. So being that you started out as a teacher, walk me through your educational journey because you are now superintendent. How did we get here? Yeah. Um, 
I was a mathematics teacher at Suitland High School, loved the experience. My high school principal hired me to wow. be a math teacher. That's why you also got to do what you're supposed to do when you're in school, because you never know when you got to come back across that bridge mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, while being a mathematics teacher, a position became available for me to help middle and high school teachers around the county. Um, I applied for it, received it, and I did that for several years. Um, and then after being that um, resource teacher specialist, I then decided I wanted to be an assistant principal. Mm -hmm. um, I became an assistant principal at Forestville High School um, and stayed there for several years. Um, and then when I got pregnant with my second child, went on on maternity leave. And when I decided to come back, um, they were like, hey, there are no more slots at Forestville. You're going to have to pick another school. So I went back to Frederick Douglass High School. Okay. Was an assistant principal there. And then one day, um, the principal said, hey, I'm going to leave. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll apply to be the principal. And I did, interviewed and received the job and was a principal at, at Frederick Douglass and then became principal of Dr. Henry A. Wise Junior High School and opened that building. Wow. Yeah. Great experience. Uh -huh. um, and moved from there to associate superintendent for high schools where I had the opportunity to oversee all of the high schools in the district. And then became chief of operations, so I had the opportunity to see all the pieces that helped to make sure that our buildings run effectively, our kids are fed, they get to school on time, um, and business management is included in that. And then deputy superintendent for teaching and learning. So literally when I say I have had the opportunity to work with every department in the school system, I truly have. So what drives your passion? Children, every single day as kids. Mm -hmm. um, even when I was a building principal, my joy came from going into the classroom. Um, and my staff knew that once I went into the classroom, do not call me out unless something major is happening like the building is about <laughs> to fall down. Um, because honestly, that is where the magic happens. They're the ones who keep you rooted and grounded in what you have to do every day yeah. to make it right. Um, they're the ones who now give me the drive for what I love to do. Um, there are the emails that I enjoy receiving because they're going to be honest about mm -hmm. their experience in the classroom. Yeah. And they're going to give me ideas and recommendations of ways to improve. Yeah. So then what made you decide, okay, as much as I love the classroom, superintendent is going to help me be the most effective at helping them? You know what? Honestly, I never envisioned that I would be a superintendent. Wow. Honestly, um, it was something that I didn't think I could do, mainly because I didn't see people like me mm. in this leadership role. So when you don't see it, you don't think you can do it. Representation does matter. And it does. So explain to me what you mean by people like you. you do you mean women? Both women and women of color. Uh -huh. um, so in, in, our, in the field of superintendents, um, there are literally 5% African-American women leading school districts across the nation. Wow. What's interesting is, is that for Prince George's County, we're the 21st largest school district in the United States. There are a total of four women, myself and three others, that lead those 21 school districts. And so I just didn't see myself. I never thought it was possible. And honestly, having been in the school district for 28 years, we continue to hire from outside the district. Mm. We never um, looked at hiring from within. Yeah. 
And so it just didn't seem like other, it just didn't seem like it was possible for me other than Jerome Clark. He was the superintendent that was previously in the system, but had not gone through the system like I had. podcast is brought to you by Prince George's Community News and Prince George's Community College, celebrating over 60 years of offering the highest possible standards in college education for the county and the region. Visit us at pgcc.edu. The opinions expressed on the podcast are not necessarily those of Prince George's Community College, its employees, or its affiliates. Producers for the program are Heavenly B, Stephen Boney, Benita Newsom, Dorcas Ashinawa, David Smalls, and Del Roden. Music for this episode are provided by DJ Young Kurtz and Scott Holmes. Tune in Monday when we have the rest of the story from Dr. Monica Goldson.